This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, I'm Charles Handigriff here on the Sports Better's Paradise, a Monday edition here on the Bet Rivers Network, live from Omaha. Both of us in Omaha have been uh, since game one and six games so far. Well, with a lot of conversation about the electric ball theory and balls leaving a park uh, more frequently uh, in uh, in college baseball. But how would it play in such a pitching-friendly park as Charles Schwab Field in downtown Omaha? So far, well, we have to clarify now. We just can't say home runs. We have to say balls hit out of the park because the first inside-the-park home run in the relatively new downtown facility – 14 home runs hit out of the park on pace for 35 to 37. Uh, 28 is the record. So there are more balls. We are also seeing more balls hit off the wall. Two of those. More balls to the warning track. You know, so, uh, several of those. So the ball is playing a lot more lively in uh, in Charles Schwab Field. But it's not like it's a bandbox. It is I think it's playing very fair in, you know, in some of the games. Now, as far as the unders, though, the over-unders, it has not been an overfest with the uh, with the increased power and the increased, uh, you know, balls, uh, you know, the increased power numbers. But the unders are 5-1, and one, barely. First game goes 6-5. That was under 11.5. LSU under 9.5. That was 9. And so, and there were some wasted opportunities along the way as well. But so far, Charlie, before we get into today's games, Tennessee, Stanford, and Wake Forest, LSU, as far as the power numbers, the increase, and how has that affected anything? Yeah, I think the park's playing really fair, Jimmy. Um, I, I wouldn't, it, it's nothing like the, after the introduction of the BB Core bats, uh, it, it's certainly not the power explosions of, of College World Series past. But remember, too, that, We've had now through six games, uh, four aces uh, and a, a couple other uh, really, you know, you've seen guys like, um, you know, Paul Skeens has pitched in this uh, in this series. Uh, Brandon Sprout uh, for Florida was fantastic. Rhett Lauder for Wake Forest, uh, you know, rebounded from a rocky first inning and really settled in for Wake Forest. So you've seen th- these are. These are the eight teams that made it here with some balance. Um, there's some really strong number one pitchers up at the top of the rotation. And I think that's been the the bigger the bigger piece here to keeping these games under. The other thing is how tight these games are. And I mean, you have five one run games in the sixth game, the six three LSU game, tying runners at the plate in the eighth inning. 
So all of these are coming down to the end. We saw wild comebacks, never a first day, where a three-run lead in the ninth and a two-run lead in the ninth were blown uh, in boy, that shaped things up because you know Florida really coming back to win and then holding on with multiple runners on with a one-run lead with two outs in the ninth against Or Roberts last night. These games are really tight. They, they are, Jimmy, and we're also seeing uh, something we've seen many times in the series here, which is coaches making, you know, I don't want to call them panic moves, but certainly with a, a sense of urgency. And, you know, coaching maybe a little bit tight. I mean, uh, for O'Sullivan last night to lose track of the number of visits to the mound, forcing him to make a move that he didn't want to make. Um, we, we see this every year. Closers coming in. Uh, way before that they were asked to in the regular season. We've seen uh, coaches stay with the starters a little bit too long. Uh, I think we watched that first game between Virginia and Florida, and there were a number of head-scratching moves. So, yeah, these games have been tight. The pressure's real. Uh, everybody's got that sense of urgency because they know the season's on the line here. Yeah, we, we usually talk about the, the players in the big stage and how they respond, how stars fold and how uh, role players shine, you know, a lot of times. There's been so many uh, in our, our many visits over 30 years uh, to, you know, to this uh, to this event. But, yeah, the coaches, the coaches have been a little bit tight. Only two have won it, you know, when they've come here, and that's Tennessee and Virginia. I'm not Tennessee, but uh, Virginia and Florida, you know, Sullivan and O'Connor. Uh, but, uh, you know, others have been here. Uh, before, but we've seen some some pressure moves off the bench as well. Let's get to the elimination game today, and rarely do we see this, but um, Tennessee's best pitcher this year through started against LSU on uh, on Saturday night, but their more talented pitcher is Dorlander, who is uh, who is projected to be a top ten pick, roughly around that uh, in the Major League Baseball draft coming in. Now we talk about the Stanford Cardinal lefty and. He might be their more talented pitcher, but they had to give him extra couple of days of rest because he threw over 150 pitches in Game 2 of the Super Regional uh, at home against Texas. Tennessee, deep in pitching, 152 and 9.5 over Stanford. Yeah, uh, I like I like Tennessee here, and um, even as they're the road team today, willing to, to lay the run line here, which is going to come back at, uh, at plus 105. I think that Quinn Matthews for Stanford is is going to be a little bit compromised, Jimmy. A hundred and fifty. I'm not with the the pitch counting police. You know that uh, you know you get to a hundred and three pitches and he's got to come out of the game no matter what. But a hundred and fifty six pitches, a hundred fifty eight pitches is just an awful lot for your next uh, your next appearance. And even with a full week, uh, you know this was a week ago Sunday, so we're talking about the eighth day here. I still think that Quinn Matthews, who's you know had a fantastic season for Stanford, he came he comes in 120 innings, uh, 152 strikeouts, so he's got swing and miss stuff. The changeup is fantastic, but I just think he's going to be a little bit compromised. Dolander hasn't been great. Um, his numbers have been pretty pedestrian for somebody that's going to be a first round pick. 
but he's still got that upper-level ability. And Tennessee did not use Chase Burns, their closer, in the first game against LSU. Burns is not a, uh, a classic closer. He, is a, he was a starter for uh, a little bit right at half, a little bit better than half the season, about half the conference season, and a little bit better than half the season overall. And Burns is going to be a first-round pick next year, and he's definitely got swing and miss stuff. So I could see Tennessee kind of chopping this thing up and having Dolander and Burns carry, you know, about half of the game each. And it's a very good offense. Don't let the first game fool you. They were facing Paul Skeens, who is just pitching at another level right now for LSU. So I really like Tennessee in game one here today. And this is the path we thought with Tennessee because Skeen's by far the best pitcher uh, in this tournament, and he, he he was just fine on this big stage. I mean, he was unbelievable against uh, Tennessee on Saturday night. Uh, but this, we talked about, we thought they were going to lose to Skeen's. We thought that they had uh, depth, pitching depth, that they could make a little bit of a run uh, coming out of the loser's bracket. Not a whole lot of teams uh, can say that. And as far as Stanford, it was their players, too. I mean, come on, man. Uh, a runner at second with two outs, a uh, single to right center field, plenty enough time to, uh, to at least make it close uh, at home. Third base coach gets a little tight. He holds them up. Come on, it's college baseball. Make them make a play. Uh, and then uh, also just kind of kind of daydreaming at first base. Guy doesn't even slide back on the pickoff. He's just still standing there. Well, the next guy hits a double. That costs him a run. And then what do they do in the ninth and um, in the eighth inning? But they walk the first two runners. Wake Forest bunts him over. One hit, boom, you turn a loss into a win. So I thought Stanford really let Wake Forest off the hook. And I thought their coach, not just their head coach, and this is some questionable moves you talk about. They had insurance runs in that game two against Texas, three insurance runs. So they had a big lead, and they still let the pitcher go out there and throw that many more pitches. So questionable stuff for a veteran coach and a very stable program coming into the I like Tennessee, both minus the money, and I'm with you as well. Visiting team, I like Tennessee on the run line as well. Speaking of Wake Forest, number one overall seed, Charlie, and no argument. They deserved it. Then they go to the regional and super regional and destroy, I mean, obliterate the competition. I mean, the run differential was unbelievable. They did not play like a number one overall seed in game one. We just told you why they were let off the hook, but here they are, a big price against LSU. Life after skeins for LSU. So Wake Forest, $1.77 and nine and a half in the winner's bracket, the marble game tonight at Charles Schwab. Yeah, and I, I think this number is a little bit too high. Uh, I think this is closer to a 50-50 game. Wake Forest used uh, three of their top four Starting pitchers, uh, it, you know, they, they, they went with Rhett Lauder, obviously the ace, uh, but, uh, you know, two of the three relievers that they brought in were guys that had, uh, you know, kind of a, a hybrid uh, starter plus reliever. But uh, they've got their number two guy, Josh Hartle, going today. He has got swing and miss stuff. 131 strikeouts in only 96 in the third innings uh, of play. So he's going to get the ball today. And they didn't use their, their starter uh, or their, their, star, their closer is available, uh, Camden Minnesisi, who uh, had uh, uh, 12 saves on the season. So Wake Forest is set up very well uh, pitching-wise. For LSU with Ty Floyd, uh, 7-0 and record. He's battled a little bit in the postseason. Uh, one of his starts was cut short by a rain delay. Um, 
I think if LSU could get five innings out of Floyd, they would they would consider that a win. Uh, they didn't have to use very much bullpen against Tennessee. Skeens got him into the eighth inning, and Riley Cooper, who's kind of a rubber arm and can pitch every day, got him home. So LSU's got their entire bullpen ready to go. So I, I think the slight edge uh, pitching-wise goes in the numbers to Wake Forest, uh, but I, yeah, LSU's playing really well right now. I thought this would probably, if, if I was setting a line on this, it would be closer to Wake Forest minus 115 uh, or something like that. So I think the price is right. It's been a while since LSU's been an underdog. I think the price is right on LSU today. I thought LSU looked the best of the field. I thought they looked the most comfortable. Now, again, Skeens is part of that equation. He's gone, and that's a drop-off. But – uh, that at the plate, they got quality at bats. There were there were a lot of balls that they hit really hard. Were just for outs, whether it was line drives to the outfield or sharply hit uh, to the infielders. So I just thought they played they played smart. They did it, they they just looked comfortable uh, out of uh, of all the teams. Look, Florida's in the winners bracket, and Florida's a great great spot, no doubt about it. Even after their win, their opening win, the comeback against Virginia, they were just two to one to win the whole thing. So now, after they win against Oral Roberts, maybe even a little lighter than that. But the LSU was a clean win uh, for them, and uh, I thought they looked really comfortable. I think this line is too high as well. Right now, Bet Rivers getting plus 135. So I think that's a, a really good spot for LSU as well. This, yes, I agree with you. And I made it about $1.25, a little bit higher uh, than you, but no way near. Uh, the dollar seventy-seven peak toward the elimination game on Tuesday. Keep in mind, a new compressed schedule with the College World Series this year. We'll see the compressed uh, double elimination games tomorrow. TCU or Roberts, roughly around dollar fifty-five, dollar sixty uh, over or Roberts. Been. I think about Oral Roberts, they're the oldest team here. They got that extra COVID eligibility year, and that you know, with a lot of guys in their program, and. Uh, they, they, they're not going down easily. I mean, they are in games. Again, 5-1, you say, okay, or Roberts is going to go down. No, no, it's 5-4 with runners at first and third in the ninth inning. And we know about the three-run comeback in the ninth on Friday afternoon, game one. So a little bit of a peak toward that one. I'm these games are close. The dogs are The dogs may have some value. Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, and it Oral Roberts still has pitching left. Uh, you know, their their three starters uh, all had very similar numbers, so they they've definitely got some arms going into uh, tomorrow. It was all TCU could do to to hold off Virginia yesterday. Um, they've got good pitching depth. Uh, we talked about how coming in to the College World Series, they hadn't allowed more than five runs in a game going all the way back to the the beginning of the postseason in the Big Twelve tournament. So uh, again. I, I think that I agree with you. The, uh, the the value in the underdogs here has has been tremendous. And boy, Oral Roberts, uh, they're, they're one hit away from being in a driver's seat in that Unreal. in that bracket, and just so very close. So many so many opportunities uh, to to get that big hit. But uh, let me back up on something you said about LSU and the, the number of hard hit balls, Jimmy. When you hit a ball hard enough to go off of a player's body. Uh, that means you've you've really squared it up. LSU had three of those, and all of them resulted in outs. You know, you get a carom off of a player's body. A lot of times, that's going to go for a hit. I, I would say if you you hit it that hard, uh, more of those go for a hit than not. And they they didn't get any of them. So the the LSU offense was close 
a number of times in that game to breaking it open. Couldn't quite, you know, get the big, uh, big gap. But I thought Jay Johnson uh, did a really nice job of, of managing that game, especially from a pitching standpoint. We're going to talk about managers making mistakes. Let's talk about them uh, making good moves. Uh, he went to his freshman closer, Gavin Guidry, who has been, you know, fantastic in this postseason. First pitch gets hit uh, over the center field wall. He did not hesitate. Uh, he went and got his veteran, Riley Cooper, who's the only pitcher for LSU that's pitched in Omaha when he was with Arizona. And Jay Johnson has taken a team. They, he didn't win a national championship at Arizona, but he was on the doorstep. They were in the finals. They were in a game three. They were right there. So I thought he handled the stage, the big stage really, really well. It worked out. Uh, there, There's no doubt uh, about that. Kind of pitched backwards a little bit where he pitched the closer ahead of what has been sort of a, a connecting guy, a bridge guy uh, in Riley Cooper. But uh, that's the way it worked out. And, yeah, he, you know, look, it's just in. Some pitchers have great stuff some days. They, they have their average stuff. And then sometimes they have very little at all. And that's why what's happening in the actual game itself, analytics are a great preparer. But once you get to the game, what's happening in the game trumps everything uh, else. That's uh, that's it for me and Charles Hanegriff. We'll be back uh, later in the week live from Omaha. He's Charles Hanegriff. I'm Jimmy Ott. This is the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.